Turn in your copy of God's Word to Psalm 93. Let's hear God's Word this morning. It's a short psalm, five verses. Hear God's Word, Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed and girded Himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves. More than the sounds of many waters than the mighty breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Here's a psalm that I've entitled, Our Stability Against Life Waves. Um, I grew up thinking concrete was stable and secure. If you've ever walked down the sidewalk, you feel like it's stable, it's secure. You're in a house with concrete slab underneath you or concrete pillars, and it all seems real strong, real steady, real secure. Until you go to the West Coast, some of you who've come from the West Coast here, you know what I'm talking about. If you live out there in the West Coast, you likely have gone through a few earthquakes. And when you're out there in an earthquake and you're standing on the sidewalk or you're on the third floor of a mall, you know, and the concrete starts swaying and cracking. And it's like, wait, this, is, this stuff's not supposed to move. And all of a sudden, it's moving and cracking, and pipes are busting, and bridges are collapsing, and floods start coming, and you're wondering, where is stability in this earth? It seems like everything can fall apart. When you've got that kind of experience, and you may be having that experience, and it's not just physical. I mean, you can have all sorts of things in your life crash down upon you physically and spiritually and emotionally at home, at work, at school, all over. Well, catch the last few verses of this psalm saying the floods have lifted up. Verse 3, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lifted up their pounding waves. The psalmist says, I feel like I'm drowning here. Everything's lifting up against me. And in the midst of those floodwaters coming against him, he says, but more than the sound of all of that, I hear the Lord on high is mighty. And that's why I'm drawn to this psalm, is just to, to see the glory of being in a world that seems to have been shaken of its stability. When we feel like the world's crashing in, and we have it physically, and we have it emotionally, and we have it politically right now in big ways. I mean, we've got a hurricane hitting our coast right now where people are really experiencing floodwaters this morning. We had a flood in Tennessee just a few weeks ago where 22 people died because of floodwaters. We have real floods. We have the political scene crashing upon us all the time. Now, 
potentially terrorist wars surround us and could literally impact us. So our world is at a place where upheaval is, is daily on the news surrounding us. When that is the case, where is our stability? Psalm 93 points us back to God. God is the one who's not moved. He's the one who will strengthen us. Our lives will be different. Our lives will be greater. Our lives will be better because of God. And I want you to just see two, two principles. As believers, as those who have been joined to Christ, God is our fighter and God is our ruler. And I want you to, to embrace that and feel the comfort of that as we walk through this very shaky world that we're in. God's our fighter and God is our ruler. Uh, God fights for us. Verses 3 through 4, when you, when you see those verses jump out that floods are against you, um, and it may be Im immorality that's against you, it may be violence that's against you, it may be unrest that's against you, it may be some of the big things in life. And he's giving you this illustration of, of floodwaters. We've all probably been to one of the uh, mountain streams close by. You, you, you've been and you've seen rapid water. And, you know, you're told don't get in the rapids, depending on how deep and all that is. You know, you get out there and you're swept away. And you can't fight against it. And so you crash against the rocks and you can easily die or go over the falls or whatever. That's the illustration that it's really crashing. It's really beyond your power. It's, it's against you. And when that is against you, no God is greater. Verse 4. More than the sound of all of that violence that's against you, then the mighty breakers, the Lord on high, is mighty. He's mightier. He's greater than the Tennessee flood. He's greater than the Gulf Coast hurricane that's coming against us. God is not moved. He fights in a greater way uh, over the flood. How? Verse 1, the Lord reigns. He's clothed with majesty. I thought it was interesting that as you're talking about God's might and his greatness, uh, and it talks about his clothing. I'm not sure I would have picked that, uh, but you know I would have talked about the mighty chest and biceps or you know something of strength, not clothing. But I think the picture is not only is he mighty, not only is he a warrior, not only does he fight for us, he looks like a warrior. He's he he dresses the part. He comes to rescue, and you don't have any doubts. Just by the visual scene of God, when God shows up, it's majestic, it's mighty, it's glorious. And it goes on to say, verse 1, the Lord has, clo has clothed and girded himself with strength. And that's strapping up the clothes in such a way that he is unhindered from doing whatever it takes to take care of our needs, to be the mighty warrior that he is. That should bring us great comfort. Uh, let me give you a parallel verse. Look over at Romans 8. 
verses 35 through 39, just to remind ourselves again, having God as our warrior fighting for us. Romans 8, verse 35, to the end of that chapter says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? If Christ is there for us, if He's girded with majesty and strength, can we lose Him? He says, no. Will tribulation? No. Will it be distress? No. Persecution? No. Will it be famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? No. The sword? No. Just as it's written, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. He quotes the psalmist saying there's times where you just feel like, I have nothing. I'm not going to make it. He says, we feel like we're conquered as sheep to be slaughtered. But, verse 37, in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him, it's Christ, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul in Romans, like the psalmist in Psalm 93, is saying, no worries, really. God is greater. God is bigger God is mightier. At times it seems we're wrongly distressed. And we have forgotten the might and the greatness of our God. And he's fighting for his people. And he always wins. He always conquers. Nothing has ever defeated him. He can't be thwarted. And if he's fighting for us, if he's embracing us, if he's holding us as he fights, then we're not going to lose either. Says nothing will separate us from his majestic strength and ability. Um, God not only fights with strength and majesty, uh, but he fights with sinlessness. Going back to Psalm 93, verse 5, it says, Your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Um, several things there. Uh, he fights. Through his word, his testimonies are confirmed. He's fighting through his house. Holiness befits his house. It's, it's a way of saying that, what are God's tools for warfare? Well, you know them in other places in Scripture. It's prayer. It's the word of God. Sometimes we don't realize that worship is warfare. That in God's house, we are being equipped for the life outside here. And so we're being equipped for battle. To battle the news. To battle the floods. To battle the viruses. To battle the apathy and indifference and the different stuff that comes at us. We're equipped as warriors with God as our captain fighting for us. Um, how can, you know, we fight with God? Well, the hint here in verse 5, being in his house matters. In his house, we get his word. In his house, we get those testimonies fully confirmed. In his house, we, we grow in prayer and worship. In his house, many things happen to us 
that's wonderful. Thinking about his word for a minute is fully confirmed. John 17, verse 17, is a text where Jesus makes it clear about his word. It says, Sanctify them, Father, in the truth. Your word is truth. No time in my life has it been greater than now that we constantly wondering whether what we heard was truth or not. I just don't know what to believe sometimes because somebody I trust says it this way and somebody I trust says it a completely different way. God says, trust my word. My word is truth. And we must always see if what we're hearing today agrees with God's word because God's word is truth. Over in the Psalms, he says the same thing. Psalm 119, verse 142 this, this is not a new concept. It's, 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 it's been throughout uh, the Word of God. Psalm 192, excuse me, Psalm 119, verse 142 says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Your law is truth. It is truth. God's law, God's commands, God's standard is truth. His Word is truth. It's Psalm 93, fully confirmed. It's absolute. It's perfect in every way because God is perfect in every way. It's God's word. It's without error. It's without sin. Is there anything God cannot do? Question you asked your kids. and They said, no, God's great. God can do everything. And the answer is no. There is something God cannot do. What is it God cannot do? God cannot sin. God cannot go against His holy nature. When God shows up, holiness is present. Christ did all that He did for us on the cross. 1 Peter 2 says, without sin. Christ cannot sin. God cannot sin. So holiness befits his house because God is in his house it is a place where sin is not welcome he brings to us a fully confirmed word it's true every command he gives is true it's not needed to be changed it's not evolving data that you you build on hoping to one day get to all the data. God knows all the data. From everlasting to everlasting. He has all data. He's compiled it, organized it, analyzed it, and whittled it down to absolute truth. His word is true. So we don't have to be shaken. We're not unstable. We know where to stand on the word of God. It's absolute truth without error, without sin, without any imperfection whatsoever. Not only is his truth fully confirmed, but other things in his house strengthen us. His word is, is in his house and is true. You know, it, it makes me think about the, uh, uh, what do we call it, the armor of a Christian. 
put on the whole armor of God. Look at Ephesians 6. That's the passage. It talks about having the whole armor of God. So when you start, start, start to think, what's going to keep me strong in, in these days? What's, what's going to help me? Look at Ephesians 6. What's going to be our armor? And it, it's, it's the stuff you would expect. Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So God's strong and mighty. How do I get that working for me, working through? It says, put on the full armor of God, verse 11, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We haven't even talked about that much this morning. When you stop to think about the, the things coming against us, not only do we have these things that we see that are earthly, how about this realm that's above us of wicked, evil forces of darkness? coming against us, schemes of the devil coming against us. Verse 13, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with what? Truth. So gird up your clothing. And as he talks about getting ready for the warfare, start with absolute truth. Know where you stand. Your armor is having the Word of God fully confirmed for you. As the psalmist was saying, gird your loins with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Again, you see this holy um, concept, this, this holiness, this, the aspect of sinlessness. Have this breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the good news of Christ, there's reconciliation and peace with us and God. Verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the element of salvation, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of of God and with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit. Well stop right there. I mean we could keep going but what what's the armor of God? It's truth. It's righteousness. It's faith. What do you what do you trust? What do you believe in? It's believing in our salvation in Christ. And so we believe that we pray to Christ through Christ, all the time, about everything, for others, for ourselves. Those are our strength. We're dressed for battle. We stand for battle. Uh, do, we, do we see God's our fighter through the Word, through prayer, through righteousness, through faith? God is our fighter. God is with us in his house. He's always ready, so we stand. Uh, don't miss 
verse 4 of Psalm 93, the first two words, more than. More than. It doesn't matter what's coming against you. More than that, God is mighty. God is over. More over you. More over whatever the conflict than anything. He is high. He is in control. He is more than. He is always over so that we can stand. See the beauty of God being the one who takes care of us and fights for us. You know, every week I need strength. Every week I rejoice that I can start in God's house. That I can be with God. That I can see His majesty. I can sing of His glory. I can hear of your faith and hear your prayers and be with the body of Christ and I can add my prayers and my faith to yours and together we are strengthened and constantly reminded of our captain, the one who reigns, the one who is clothed, the one who has great power over us. You know, I uh, I uh, rented a country house my last year in uh, college and it came with 250 acres of farmland which I loved and one of the things that um, I discovered as I was exploring the land was an old dump site and this dump site was near the road and it had hundreds or literally thousands of glass bottles dumped now, this is before you were drinking out of plastic. And it was before recycling. So we, when we had our Coca-Cola bottle or a Mountain Dew bottle, it was glass. And people were wondering what to do. Well, apparently on this farm, they just dumped it, okay? So I've got all these bottles, and I'm wondering how cool it would be to use them for target practice. So I brought a couple guns up to college, and you know, I was off campus, so that worked. And... I would get these bottles and I would throw them up. I said, well, I need a shotgun so I can shoot them in the air. And I did that for a while. And I had so many of them. I said, I wonder if I could shoot them with my rifle. And I got to where I could throw the bottle up and wait for it to you know, climb and then shoot it with my rifle. And then I can shoot it. Move it. I could do this because in those days, bullets were cheap and glass was plentiful. And I just was having a time of my life uh, becoming one of the best shooters I had ever seen, you know, just because I, this was more fun than study. You know, you just shoot glass and it busts and it's exciting. Well, one day while I was out there shooting glass, I heard one of those muscle cars come up the road. You know, the kind of go, blah, 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 blah. And three big dudes jumped out of that car, and they start running in, into the woods right at me. I didn't know why. And so I had parked one of my guns back by the tree, so I start running back this way to grab my gun. And when they see me running, they say, oh, he's scared of us, so they run even more. And 
And I stopped, obviously, at some point, and then they stopped, and I said, y'all need to leave. This is my property, not your property. You need to leave. They said, no, we're not leaving. You're scared of us, and we're going to take everything you've got. I said, it would be wise for you to leave. And they said, not going to happen. And they started approaching. And as they did, I stepped back and I picked up my rifle and I pulled it in front of me so that they could clearly see I was locked and loaded, you know, ready to rock. And when they saw the gun, it's like they froze and came back. And I said, if you will look to your left, you will see the glass bottles I have demolished. Note that these glass bottles are about this big. And I can hit them while they are flying. You are a, a much bigger target for me. I would think it would be wise for you to leave. And they left. Why? I was a wimp compared to those guys. But I had power. Had more power. Our God is always more than whatever comes against us. He gives us power in Himself that can withstand anything. He gives us His power through His Word, through our prayers, through faith through the body of Christ. And it's always in his house that we're equipped for this ability to withstand whatever comes against us. See that God is a fighter. He fights for his people. He never loses a one of us. Nothing ever separates us from his love. So we're not separated from his power or his strength. God not only is a fighter, he's a ruler. Um, verse 1, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know much about how this world runs in the sense of the science of it. Somebody had to tell me the, the world is spinning right now. I've never felt that. I don't know how the, the world stays in orbit. I don't know how it goes around the sun. I don't know any of that. But one thing I'm convinced of is I have nothing to do with it. The Lord reigns. The Lord is the one who rules over heaven and earth. I'm not ruling this world. I'm not keeping it sustained or the heavens. But God is. God rules heaven and earth. He sustains all that is. It would make sense to me that you would want to be in relationship with the ruler, with the one in charge with the one who had total control. That's our God. Uh, it's strange that we don't think that's important to, to run to Christ. I mean, I get people with counsel all the time that says, 
you know, where are your kids? Why aren't you bringing your kids to church? Why don't you bring your family, your friends, or your neighbors to church? Well, I've been told the best thing to do for this person is just to let them find their own way. And I'm thinking, please don't follow such bad advice. Who finds their way? We have to be shown the way. We, we don't know the way. We don't know the way. God knows the way. He has created everything. Why don't we sit at his feet and listen to him and let him show us the way? Why don't we run where the power is, where the strength is, where the wisdom is, and learn the way? It would be foolish to run a different way than the way to Christ. Those who are trying to find their own way, no one seeks for God, no one. Romans 3.11. No one. You'll never find your way to Christ. Why? Because the Lord reigns. He rules salvation. If he's not ruling salvation, he's not in charge. Those who are saved are those he draws to himself. Everyone should be seeking to run to him and plead with him, please choose me. Draw me to yourself. Take me. You reign. You rule. Salvation is in no other. Please take me. The earth does not have some autonomous existence. God is the ruler overall, um, and He's the ruler forevermore. Karma's not going to get you to Christ. Some other religious system's not going to get you to Christ. Christ alone rules. You find it in the truth. God ruled over Adam and Eve. He's ruled ever since. He ruled in, over Egypt. He ruled in, over the Assyrians. He ruled over the Babylonians. He ruled over the Greeks. He ruled over the Romans. He rules over the world. And he teaches us that over and over and over. And when you say Christ is risen, what you're saying is Christ rules. He is victor and ruler over the grave. He is victor and ruler over sin. He is victor and ruler over life, over all. God is not only our fighter, God's our ruler. God rules over us. Jesus can rule for your glory and for your benefit. You remember the story. Jesus and his disciples, they were going across the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus, I really want to ask Jesus about this when we get to heaven, you know. Jesus, you knew what you were going to do. And I, I bet there was just a smile under whatever facade he had on. As he gets into the boat with the disciples, he says, y'all got a pillow? I'm tired. I want to rest. And they find him a little cushion, and he, he snuggles up on that cushion, and the boat goes out across the water. And then a storm comes up. And I imagine, you know, Peter, a fisherman, a big, burly, kind of fisherman. 
just can take on the world. And the waters and the waves just keep filling the boat up. And I bet Jesus is smiling. And he just snuggles up on that pillow a little bit more. He says, Peter's getting scared. And Peter's going to be knocking on my shoulder here anytime now and say, Lord, don't you care? We're perishing out here. And he snuggles up on that pillow. And the waves start filling the boat up. And these tough, strong fishermen are fearful for their lives. And they start crying out, Jesus, I think you might want to wake up before you die. You know, we're going to die here. We're drowning here. And Jesus gets up. I bet he got up slow. Like, oh, oh. Just kind of looking at them. And when they just can't believe the situation, we don't know exactly the words Jesus used, but basically he says, hush. And when he does, you couldn't see a ripple on the lake. Everything was perfectly still. Storm is over. And what do the disciples do? What does the text say? It's Mark 4 if you want to look it up. But it says the disciples were more frightened than they were before. It doesn't say, which is what a lot of people preach, it doesn't say Christ can give you peace in your storm. Christ gave them fright. He gave them fear. They were, you could, they were visibly shaking. Their teeth were rattling. And then it tells you the reason why they are more scared. Why are they more scared now than ever before? And the reason is they poke each other. Even the wind and the sea bow down at his command. He reigns. He rules. Even the wind and the sea. Unbelievable power. We are the only people on the face of the earth, God's people, who understand the rule of Christ. That it doesn't matter what comes at us. He reigns. He rules over it. The Lord is high and mighty. Perhaps, if you're like me, you needed to remember that again this week. That our God's with us. And he fights for us. And nothing can thwart his command. When we take the Lord's Supper, let me just move to it. Matthew 26, when Jesus was giving these words to his disciples the first time he had the Lord's Supper with them, he, he's, he concludes it this way, and then they sing a, sing a hymn together. 
But it says, after, he says, I say to you, I'm not going to drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And I think what he means by that is I'm about to go to the cross and I'm going to live out what the Lord's Supper represents. My body will be given. My blood will be spilt. And after I die on the cross for your sins, then I will rise to heaven and God the Father is going to give me all authority in heaven and on earth. I will be king of kings, lord of lords. I reign, I rule. He says, I'm not going to drink of the wine or eat of the bread until that takes place. And of course that took place. And Christ is our king. And I've often thought when people ask me, and I've said this a few times, David, uh, do you drink? And my answer is, I drink on the first day of the week in the house of holiness with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I eat and drink with the ruler of heaven and earth. You can't top that. That's what we are doing here. We are in communion with the ruler of heaven and earth. And he invites us to his table. How cool is that? To eat and drink. And to be promised a lavish banquet when we see him in his glory. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the wonderful reminder that you are a fighter and a warrior, girded and ready, that you're also the ruler, and everything in heaven and on earth must bow down to you. And yet, it's not fearful to be in your presence because you invite us to come and to take of bread and eat in remembrance of your sacrifice for us and to drink of wine and to remember the life-giving blood that flowed through your veins given to us for the forgiveness of sins. Father, forgive us for communing with the world and its fear and its panic instead of communing with our God. Thank you for the first day of the week. Thank you for your house to gather in. Thank you for a meal that reminds us we're yours and you're ours. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.